Louise Bedford here. Just before we kick off with today's show, I wanted to let you know that for one week only, you can get up to 84% off a selection of my most popular trading education products available through tradinggame.com.au. Make no mistake. Your financial future is in your hands. So check out the audios, videos, and study courses that I have available at tradinggame.com.au. Now's your chance to develop your skills as a trader for up to 84% off, but only for the next week. Let's get on with the show. And welcome to Talking Trading. I'm Caroline Stephen. Anthony Aykroyd is one of Australia's best-known comedians and is currently one of the stars of the top-rating radio comedy show ABC's Thank God It's Friday. Anthony rose to fame writing and performing for TV shows such as Hey Hey It's Saturday and The Midday Show before becoming a writer-performer on the TV comedy series The Comedy Company and ABC's The Big Gig. He was also a team captain on the original Good News Week. The Sydney Morning Herald and The Australian acknowledged Anthony as one of the best comedians of his generation. Anthony is now also the CEO of his company, The Laughter Advantage, and as a speaker, he's considered a leading expert on how to use humour and laughter to our advantage in our personal and professional lives. We speak to Anthony today about that shortest distance between people, laughter, which is also known as the sound of the soul waking up. Anthony Aykroyd, hello and welcome to Talking Trading. Hello, Caroline. It's a pleasure to be with you. It's such a pleasure to talk to you. And I confess that when I first approached you for an interview, I didn't quite realise you were the Anthony Aykroyd. I I think I am whoever I am. Yeah. Now, let me get this straight. You at one stage were so famous that you were actually a question on the Wheel of Fortune. I was. And um, I've got the footage. What was the question? They had letters up, and I think it was a famous Australian comedian. Oh. Yeah, this is about, um, you know, 19... I don't know, 1991 or something. <laughs> and he was a Scottish guy and he, he didn't get it right. When he was given the answer, he said, oh, of course, of course, of course. That made me feel slightly better. You know. I've heard of him. Now, I hear you do an amazing <laughs> Kevin Rudd impression. Before we crack off with the interview, would you give us an impression? <laughs> yeah, it was bizarre in 2007, as we, we might remember. Kevin Rudd was elected Prime Minister and this whole new stream of my career <laughs> opened up because people thought I looked and sounded like... Kevin Rudd. Can you give us a... And, well, I sometimes do sound a little like Kevin. And I have a certain programmatic specificity and conceptual synthesis. You know something, folks? I will be Prime Minister again. Uh, so that, that whole thing is quite bizarre. So, look, you are one of Australia's most successful comedians. Everyone has heard of you. Tell us about your journey into the comedic world. Well, I sometimes refer to myself as a as an accidental comic because I grew up in Hobart and Which is hardly the centre of civilization. Well, you might say that. <laughs> no offense. <laughs> you know, as we say in Tasmania, hey, give me six. <laughs> but um, Yes, but I was um you know, I became very interested in acting in Tasmania and went to university and did a lot of acting there and was also in a rock group 
uh, called Albatross, and we had a lot of success in, in Tasmania. And Molly Meldrum saw us, everyone remembers Molly, and said, you've got to come on Countdown. So the whole thing was set for us to, um, to go to Sydney, and then the, uh, then the band broke up. So, um, That's so a terrible I, was, story. I was still determined to, to go to Sydney, so I went to Sydney. I was looking for any sort of performance work. But I'd heard about the Sydney Comedy Store, and I thought, I'll go along there. I'd done some comedy busking. People said I had a flair for it. You know, I'd got good feedback, and so it was absolutely terrifying. Uh, anyone who remembers the Comedy Store in the 80s in mm. Sydney, it was really frightening. <laughs> You're guilty in, until proven funny. <laughs> but I got up there, you know, I watched it, you know, for a couple of weeks, got up there, did okay. And then kept doing that, expecting that I'd get back into acting or music, but the, the comedy took off. And, you know, I found I was good at it. You know, I was, it, was, and it was a chance to perform and a chance to write. And then I got into TV and, um, and that became my main thing. So that, that's how the journey started and it continued. And it was, it was a, a really amazing ride. So let's just give a recount of the major TV shows that you've written and been on. <laughs> well, well before you were born, I'm sure, Caroline. Um, very flattering, <laughs> very flattering. <laughs> but every, everyone seems to remember Hey, Hey, It's Saturday. That gave me a big break because I was on that show more often than any other Australian comic who wasn't in the cast. Yeah, I remember, this is going, going back to when Dire Straits were a huge band, and they sold out the Sydney Entertainment Centre and they had a record sell-out, and they, um, Hey Hey were doing a live cross to um, Dire Straits in concert, and it just occurred you know, through serendipity that I was on just before Dire Straits were crossed to. So this is pre, pre-internet the only source you had was television. So it was a you know, two million people audience, and that, that really launched me, just that one appearance. And then uh, I had another big break with a show called The Big Gig on uh, ABC, and that, mm. that took the whole thing to another level, and that was a fantastic show full of you know wonderful people doing really adventurous, cutting-edge stuff. Yeah, so the whole thing was, was, was quite fabulous and uh, thoroughly enjoyable. And the comedy uh, company? Yeah, I wrote for the comedy company for a while and appeared on that for a while. I did the first the first series of Good News Week. But at that stage, I kind of got, you know, I'd, I'd had a lot of exposure and I thought, oh, you know, I really want to find out what it's like not to be a public person because it did get to the stage where wherever I'd go, I'd be recognised. And it's funny with comics because people, you know, it's not like with Brad Pitt <laughs> where, where people go, wow. They do go, wow, but then they laugh. <laughs> After a while, I thought, this is, I can now appreciate the downside of, you know, of course I wanted to be famous and recognised and appreciated, but it does, you know, I'm not, I'm not complaining, it was fantastic, but What's eventually the I thought I'd be a more private person. What is the downside? I think it's that people project onto you what they expect you're going to be. They relate to you in a particular way, Every, you know, wherever you meet them at dinner parties, you feel like something's being projected onto you. Mm. and you're not really being seen. Mm, mm. That was my experience. I can understand uh, that. Did you feel pressure to be funny? Yeah, there was a lot of pressure. Mm. And, you know, the, the phrase that most comics hate in socially is say something funny because people think you are that person they see on television, that, that is your personality. I'm much more introverted than that, as, as m- many comics are. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, someone's assessed me as an ambivert because I'm, you know, quite introverted. You know, I'm not, you know, I don't withdraw totally, but um, I like a lot of time by myself, And but I love being on stage, you know, I'm perfectly comfortable. I've heard a lot of entertainers say that they get addicted to the audience reaction to them. Did you find that? 
Yeah, well, it is. There's no greater high that I've experienced than being on stage and you know doing a gig that mm. really works. By the same token, there's no greater low <laughs> than when it goes badly. Comedy is very personal. You know, it's a very personal experience. Like acting, you, you, you're doing a role mm-hmm. uh, and you can hide behind the character. And also with acting, you're not expecting people to laugh every seven seconds, probably the average for a stand-up comic. So it feels very personal when people don't laugh or they hate you or they throw things or they boo or they're just bored or, you know, it's a, it's a horrible feeling. But on the other side, it's, it's just incredible. So you now run your company, The Laughter Advantage. Mm. Tell us about that. Well, it's a bit like we're talking about the effects of laughter that, that occur in, in, in everyday life are in a way like the effect that you get from being in an audience or being on stage. You know, the same biochemistry happens. And going back to as I was talking about being very public for a lot of years... And then I decided I'm going to have a personal life and um, got married and had children. And then I, I looked for a way of using what I'd learnt as a stand-up comic to help other people. Uh, I became a clown doctor for four years. Yeah, tell us what in, that is. Well, clown doctoring is... Um, and it is, exists all over the world and it's given different names. And the organisation here is called the Humour Foundation. And as opposed was, to the Tumor Foundation. <laughs> as opposed to that. Um, <laughs> you know, a clown doctor goes into hospitals. Uh, I used to go into Westmead Hospital and Randwick Hospital here in Sydney. And you're there to spread happiness and to oh. spread laughter, uh, both for the, the sick kids in hospital, they're our main group, uh, also for the families of the people you'd see and the staff, you know, the nurses and the doctors. So everyone loved the clown doctors and... Uh, you know, I really saw magic happen in terms of using humour and laughter to, to affect people. And you'd go in and there'd be very sick kids in on- oncology or in the burns unit and often you'd be able to access, because the kids are much closer to their, that, that sense of humour than, than most adults, sadly. You know, you'd blow some bubbles, you'd ask permission to go into the ward and then you have some, you know, silly props and just get them laughing and get into that energy. This led me into, you know, really researching the benefits of laughter. Okay, so good. So that's my next question. What are the benefits of laughter? Because there's this famous story that Norman Cousins cured himself of cancer by watching <laughs> funny movies. Yeah, no, it wasn't cancer. It was some really intense arthritic disease. Right. Uh, I think it was Guillain-Barre syndrome. Uh, but he's, yeah, he's the one that, you know, if people have any association or done any reading, they usually come across Norman Cousins and he's kind of the poster boy for, for healing. And he did. He watched, uh, I think, episodes of Candid Camera and uh, Marx Brothers films, and that was part of his treatment. He did other things as well, but he credits laughter as being uh, essential to his recovery. Yeah, I could talk for hours about the benefits of laughter. I mean, the, Well, let's first talk for all, a little while about it. Yeah. <laughs> But for example, every time we laugh, we actually massage all our internal organs and, inv- and vitalize all the internal organs from the contractions of, of, of laughter. This is when you're having a good solid belly laugh. Uh, people who study laughter are called gelatologists. Gelatologists. Good to know. Uh, which is from the, um, the god, Roman god Gelus, or Gelus, the god of mirth. But anyway, these people have found things like one minute of a good solid belly laugh you love this. One minute of a good solid, solid belly laugh is equivalent 
in terms of aerobic conditioning to 10 minutes on an exercise bike. So that's pretty good. So I always say in my talks, you know, the next time someone says, are you going to come out and work out with me? Just respond by going, (laughs) I already am. Laughter actually burns calories. Um, But, um, yeah, some of the great things about laughter, every time you laugh, you produce a a neuro, um, uh, sorry, a hormone called interleukin-2, which uh, boosts your immune system. You activate a part of the brain called the nucleus cumbens, which releases, releases dopamine, which is the reward chemical. Uh, and you release chemicals like oxytocin, which makes us feel closer to other people, uh, endorphin, which makes us feel more motivated and in- inspired, and serotonin, which makes us feel more peaceful. So, again, there's lots more facts, but you know, on, a, on, a, on a physiological level, you know, on a cognitive level, humour and laughter. So, yes, you know, really powerful mojo. Can you imagine your life without laughter? No. Well, it's, it'd be a pretty horrible life, <laughs> I think. You know, um, there's a Japanese proverb that laughter is spending time with the gods, and I think most people feel that way about it, that it, it has some sort of magic quality. Apart from the science, which we know more about, there's some mysterious X factor about laughter that connects people and and makes us feel really vital and alive. So would you say the happiest people are the people who laugh the most? Well, I always describe laughter because sometimes people in my workshops can get the impression that, oh, now I've got to laugh constantly all the time physically. And some people are much more, you know, I describe it as a scale. And some people are up here where they're totally extroverted and, you know, we see them laughing a lot and they're producing a lot of energy. And some people are more quiet and playful and... Mm. And gentle, but they have their own sense of humour, of course, and they express that maybe not as externally, but it's, it can happen at an internal playful level. So, you know, I really emphasise in my workshops, it's not about becoming someone else. Uh, you know, now I have to be flamboyant and extroverted when I'm a quiet person. It's not about that at all. It's about accessing and developing your own sense of humour at a really, you know, at a, at a deeper level. So you are a a very established comic, a very famous comic, but you've also spent decades exploring self-development and human potential. Mm. You're kind of like the (laughs) ideal man. Tell us about that. I am. (laughs) I want to get that out there. Sorry, Caroline, do go on. (laughs) I flattered you. Tell us about self-development and human potential and, and your journey around that. Yeah, I've always had an interest in it. Going back to, you know, when I was 13, 14, and I'd read books, you know, like a psychologist like Eric Fromm, who... Where was he from? (laughs) (laughs) I like it. He was from the land of Eric. (laughs) He always had an interest in that. Then um, there's a book called Your Erroneous Zones by Wayne Dyer, which became very famous, and that really turned me around. And the whole notion of, oh, you can actually have much more influence over your own life than you thought. You can do more. In, in terms of shaping your own life uh, and you don't have to be a victim of, you know, your genetics or your childhood. So I've always found that really fascinating and so I've explored that. I've become deeply involved in Buddhism. Yeah, I think to me Buddhism, Buddhism is not, you know, I, I don't regard it as a religion. I regard it as a philosophy, uh, a deep insight into, into how to live uh, joyfully and so I found that really valuable. You know, I was actually thinking of the Tibetan lamas and how they're so jolly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, you only have to look at the Dalai Lama. 
Yeah, a lot of highly developed spiritual people are, I think. And I think that's one of the great insights of spirituality is that life must be approached with this really vital sense of humour. My little motto is love conquers all, but laughter makes it possible. That's great. So that's, that's kind of how I approach my work and my life. You know, you know, I get stressed and you know all, all the other emotions. And I think that's what it's not about, again, it's not about pasting on some, you know, now I'm Mr. Happy. Mm, a mask. Uh, I think laughter really embraces sorrow and stress and troubles and challenges and the whole human condition. And it puts that in a kind of cauldron and we, we're like alchemists and then we can create something out of that. Uh, so it's not about denying all of that, which is very real. Mm. You know, I once had a guy, a guy at a workshop say, listen, Anthony, because one, one of my main workshops is called Stress Less, Laugh More. He said, Anthony, I've got so many, so many stresses. I don't need the stress of being happy. Oh, my gosh. So that's rather sad. We did laugh about that eventually. There's uh, a quote by Carlos Castaneda, the shaman, the great shaman, and he says, yeah. the amount, something like this, the amount of work to be happy or sad is exactly the same. Yeah. You know, as the Buddhists say, you know, there are 10,000 joys, 10,000 sorrows. And I think that's when laughter comes in. It's not that we're cutting off, you know, all those emotions because they have value as well. Uh, you know, sorrow and depression, and but they come easily. <laughs> you know, they, um, they're, they're already there. We don't have to um, kind of go to a uh, depression workshop. Uh, <laughs> they're easy to do. We got to work at laughter. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Anthony, I'm not depressed enough. So I, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And it's a lot about you know. For me, there's three main tools for creating more laughter and happiness. Okay, in your great, life. great. What are they? Yeah. Well, I think intention. Having the intention to do so, otherwise we're just on default. People look at laughter as it's more a passive approach usually. Even in our language we mm. say, you know, it was so funny, he really made me laugh, that was hilarious, rather than setting the intention that we're going to actually um, create more laughter and humour in our lives. And that, that has to be done consciously, I've found. And the next one is attention. You know, we know, and it's not just new age philosophy but we know from quantum physics that whatever we focus on will expand in our lives and we'll experience more of it and uh, the last one is interpretation we learn to interpret our experience and start to see the humor in all our experience and not take things quite so seriously and being able to to play around with that and we start with small things you know we don't take the really intense you know, horrible things and say, oh, that's really funny because it's not, you know. But uh, we can start with small things. I, calling it, I call it lowering the laughter bar and just laughing with more ease and finding humour more frequently. And there's actually a part of our brain called the reticular activating system and its whole job is to find the things that we tell it are important. So if we tell it that humour and laughter are important, we'll find more of it. So it's a, it's just a beautiful... It's, what I call adopting the laughter lifestyle. And uh, it's a beautiful journey. And certainly I've seen incredible things happen in some of my workshops where people, you think they're, you know, they come in so stressed and so serious because they're completely out of touch with the joy that's actually there. And through the, through the half day or the whole day, they, they get back in touch with that. So it's, it's a beautiful thing to watch. Anthony, can you tell people about your workshops, when they are and how much they are? Well, they do vary. They vary a lot. We we um we put on public workshops. As I said, the main one, which is working beautifully, 
once I came up with a combination of stress less and laugh more, people went, ah, that's for me. I mean, earlier this year, I was uh, ambassador for Lifeline, and uh, they have a thing called their Stress Down Day. So I was their Stress Down Day ambassador, and they have a poll, which is conducted by News Poll, about how stressed we are as Australians. <clears throat> they found that um, 91% of people say they experience ongoing stress. Hmm. And it was interesting because I was the ambassador. They said, well, do you, want, do you want to ask a question in the survey, Anthony? So I asked the question, do you feel that laughter impacts your stress? And 98% of people said, yes, it does. Hmm. So I thought, what's wrong with this picture? Because people know the humour and laughter are a solution to their stress, yet people are so stressed. And, and it's really the people don't know how to access humour, laughter, play, fun, positive energy at a practical level. So that's what we teach people in Stress Less, Laugh More. We do it as corporate events. We also do them as public events. Where are you holding them? Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane? Yeah, all over Australia. And we, okay. we, you know, I travel all over Australia, sometimes overseas. Next year, we're, we're launching a new workshop called Laugh, Date, Love. Uh, <laughs> and this is learning how to develop your sense of humour so you have more success dating <laughs> and, uh, and finding that special person. I found mine, but I'm uh, looking for areas where I thought, where can I really help people? You know, unfortunately, there's a lot of pain out there because people don't know how to connect. Sense of humour is always rated number one as far as the quality people want to find in a partner. So I've developed this workshop to help people. If you had to give our listeners one or two pieces of advice that they need to take away from this interview, what would you say to them? Yeah, well, I would say apply those tools. Think about it consciously and think about, think about laughter. Change the mindset to laughter and humour is something I can consciously nurture. And actually, it might be a good point. If you go to my website, which is anthonyacroyd.biz, B-I-Z, biz. This is something for everyone who's watching this, listening to this. You can go there and download my Stress Less, Laugh More 10-point plan. Fabulous. And it's completely free. All you need to do is download it. And that has 10 specific techniques for stressing less and laughing more. Things like using, learning to use your physiology, um, learning to develop a way of smiling consciously, that's the one. <laughs> I just <Actually>. smiled then. <laughs> Caroline did a great version there. So the, the little tips like this, you know, and I have a laughter meditation there. That's really powerful and that's totally internal. I think that's the best thing, you know, out of our session that I can offer people practically immediately. Uh, I would also say please come to a workshop because that experience, that kind of deep dive immersion with other people, people are changed, they're transformed. If uh, go to anthonyacroy.biz, download that totally free um, Stress Less, Laugh More 10-point plan. Anthony, that's wonderful. Our listeners just love you. Thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. It's an absolute pleasure to talk to you, Caroline. Really appreciate it. Likewise, and I uh, look forward to attending one of your workshops myself. I think you'll be a natural. I've got a feeling. <laughs> Thanks. It's been a pleasure. And you can also subscribe to Anthony's new weekly blog, The Laughter Advantage, at anthonyacroyd.biz. That is all we have for you today, guys. Stay tuned next week to hear mentoree Andrew Woodward on his trading journey. I'm Caroline Stephen, and on behalf of the team here, thanks for your company. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to TalkingTrading.com.au with Caroline Stephen. 
Make sure you are subscribed to this website to receive the very latest market views, commentary and expert opinion. Tune in next week as we've got a bumper show planned. Bye for now. The views represented on Talking Trading are general in nature and do not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Before acting on any of the information, consider its appropriateness in regard to your own situation.